Welcome to Ascension of the Chessmen, diving into the esoteric, occult, spiritual, and conspiratorial aspects of life, focused on solutions to the problems we face in our everyday lives. Let us ascend above all differences. Let us be the light in darkness, a breath of fresh air to those who can hardly breathe, and together, awaken into greatness. This is Ascension of the Chessmen, with your host, Andre Mitty. Welcome to the Ascension of the Chessmen podcast. I'm your host, Andre Mitty. Today's guest is a spiritual seeker, uh, sound healer, and host of Interverse podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, hobbits and fairies, give a warm welcome to Chance Garten. Uh, we got hobbits around here? That's pretty fun. <laughs> They're hiding. I thought they were more like Mennonites. I didn't think they did technology. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they hide out. I just uh, give them a voice on the show, so make them come Somebody's to Somebody's got to. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thanks for coming back on, brother. Uh, happy to have you back. Um, but yeah, man, what have you been up to? Um, anything new with you? I'm working on the same kind of things I have been for a while, but maybe some of that is new since we... I don't remember when I was on the first time, but I split my time between taking good good care of myself and working with clients on sound healing, which I think we're going to talk a lot about today. Uh, Of course, making my shows at least to at least two of my own shows a week. And then I do other people's podcasts a lot. So that keeps me pretty busy and uh, producing audiobooks on the side where I can fit them in. Yeah. Awesome, man. And uh, yeah, I I just wanted to kick it off with, you know, what initially piqued your interest or like got you into working with Tuning Forks? That's a good question, man. I think I first heard about the modality on an episode of Higher Side Chats a long time ago. Mm. And I was interested in it. I found the person presenting it quite well-spoken and seemed like there was a lot to it. And then I heard her again on Crow Triple Seven in 2019. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember that episode. So yeah. this was Eileen Day McCusick. She's the author of a book called Tuning the Human Biofield and a newer one. Oh, he's got it right there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You working on that book? What do you think? Yeah. I just started it a couple of days ago. I'm like 20 pages in, but I'm loving it so far. I didn't realize like how much science is like coming up to speed with it of the last 10, 20 years, you know? Absolutely. That's what I love about the method is it is, I'm a Libra moon. (laughs) And I mean, the person who wrote that book, she's a Libra sun. So Mm. balancing and bridging the gap between the mechanistic and the mystic, being more in the middle, being able to show what's real about this energy field that has been spoken about for as long as humanity has been writing and keeping information. Right. I really appreciate that about it. Some of the science involved is pretty amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, And to me, what's scientific about it is that the process that I learned from reading her book and then kind of worked out how to do it for myself would be very consistent from client to client. That there is actually something. Well, I say there's actually something concrete there. <laughs> I don't know. For all I know, the act- the entire idea of the biofield could be completely imaginary, but it still works as if it's real. So totally. in that sense, I, I kind of consider it to be a language more than maybe something uh, that is a structure of nature. Mm-hmm. And we can elaborate more on what I mean by that. 
the language aspect though, because we're communicating with our body's intelligence Mm. and having the Mm. language of the idea of the biofield and the anatomy of that gives us something to work with in terms of an intellectual scaffolding. So we know what message we're actually getting from the body and in that way, tapping into the all knowing aspect of these glorious vessels carrying around the cosmic primal life force energy that we are. Right. Totally, man. Yeah. Um, I, I was telling my buddy Dayton, uh, who's with me today to, uh, be my guest guest host. Um, yeah, Dayton, if you wouldn't mind saying hello, um, we actually, Howdy. yeah. So me and Dayton <laughs> met, uh, at Shangri-La, this, uh, music festival up in Minnesota. And, uh, I was telling Dayton that, you know, you were the one that planted the seed, uh, with tuning forks, which I feel like there was other seeds planted, but it seemed like you really <laughs> pushed it deeper in the soil as far as, you know, um, curiosity goes and, uh, you know, just talking to you further about it and then <laughs> to see where you're at now with it, it's just mind boggling. So that was my first experience, um, with sound healing was uh, a session with Dayton, uh, we actually did two sessions over that weekend, but just profound, man. I had never felt anything like it and I could just feel the energy moving in my body. It was, it was pretty wild. Like, um, you know, I, I was, uh, on a journey, if you, if you will. And, uh, I was having a, a bit of a rough patch. Like I think it was, uh, Saturday and, uh, I had this thing where like, my right nostril, my right nostril was like blocked and like, I couldn't breathe properly. And, uh, it was really like, uh, fucking with me. And I was like, something isn't right here. And I like kept trying to like blow out my right nostril to like, get it to like subside. And, uh, before this point, like I had told, uh, Dayton, like, yeah, dude, uh, I'll do an energy session with you later on. And, I just, you know, a set would, a music set would come up and, uh, I wouldn't see him do, to do the session and like follow through with my word. So, you know, I just kept getting, uh, distracted from doing this session. I told Dayton I'd do with him. And then sure enough, like, uh, once I finally fa- found him after like really struggling there for a bit, um, it totally subsided. Like I could finally breathe normally again, like both passages were balanced and opened up and, um, it was profound, man. I, I, I have no other words. I was, I was very speechless after I don't, I don't even know if I have words to describe like what that was like, but there was a moment where, uh, Dayton's doing work on me and I opened my eyes like thinking he's still working on me and he's like 10 feet away. I'm like, what's going on here? Mm. Like I thought he was still doing work on me and he was not even close to me. So um, it was powerful to say the least. So um, yeah. I, and maybe he was still doing work. I mean, I, I yeah, work on from, people from hundreds of miles away. <laughs> right. yeah, there's, there's, there's strength in proximity, but um, yeah, absolutely. You, when you were feeling that I'm most likely I was, I was doing something at the same time there. Um, yeah. I I'm a touch guy. So I love to put my hands on. I think it's stronger, but we can, we're always touching everybody and mm. we can really focus on that and really connect from anywhere. Totally. Yeah, man. Yeah. That's what I actually value a lot about the remote aspect of my work with clients is that it gives somebody experiential knowledge that 
distance and separation are mental concepts. Mm. That's what they are. Right. <laughs> separation is totally conceptual. Yeah. yeah we're always together. Totally. Real nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, w- what are the major differences between, uh, in-person sessions and distance sessions because yeah i was listening to eileen talk about that earlier today on alpha vedic and uh she she was kind of skeptical about uh distance healings and then uh you know i think it was her more scientific uh, analytical side of her that was had that uh skepticism but she said it was quickly removed like just after one session so what's that Mm -hmm. been like for you chance Actually, the number of remote sessions compared to in-person sessions doesn't even compare. Wow. I have done so many more remotely. A, because the majority of the people I connect with are not in proximity to where I live. And B, because I don't have like a studio space or something. If I was going to do them in person, I'd have to go to someone's house or have them come to my house. And, you know, I'm not really about that. (laughs) (laughs) Even if I, you know, like somebody, but there's just this amazing ability to almost objectify the process whenever they're not there with you. Mm. It, you know, there, it does work great when we're in person and I have done them that way, but remotely. So I set up a table and I create like an imitation of their body on the table with crystals and candles and all that. So I have something I'm working with in a tactile sense that it gives me the sense of a body, right? Mm. That way I can measure distances away from the body where something is at. Because if you want to get into that, there's a aspect of the biofield anatomy where you can gain information about things based on where it is off the body. And, uh, not when they're not there, (laughs) it gives you like this sort of freedom to not be distracted by, a physical person's energy in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a, a bit of a detachment, but not in a detachment energetically. Cause you're still working on them. Right. If you've made the agreements with them that this is what we're doing, then that's what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So I like that about it. And for them, I think they get to, to enjoy the session from the comfort of their own home. You know, right. they don't have to go anywhere. They can be in their safe space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, do you typically like talk on the phone with them or how are you communicating with them? I'll get on a Zoom call typically. That way I can record it and give it to them. But I've actually done them where we weren't even on a call. Yeah. Wow. Where we just picked the time and they chilled out at that time and I did my thing. And I think, in fact, sometimes people didn't even uh, like remember to take the moment to meditate or lay down. (laughs) And I can still. You know, it still works. If we made the verbal contract, if we made the agreement that, you know, I have permission to work on their energy field, then it seems to work. However, I like to have a sort of methodical ceremonial process about it where we're laying out exactly our intentions, exactly what entities and energies and beings are allowed to participate in which aren't and, you know, be very, very, very clear about all that. I think it helps to a large degree. Absolutely. So I, I like to be on the Zoom call and then we talk about the whole process. Typically, some people are more reserved and meditate through it, if you will. But a lot of times we're chatting as much as if you were talking to your barber or something during a haircut. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the agreement I, I make sure that they're aware of is like, you can't even interfere with this process. Now that we're doing it, you can't, there's no wrong way for somebody to receive the tuning. 
And I get that question sometimes of like, what do I do? <laughs> or like, what happens if I don't feel it or whatever? And everyone has their own unique experience with it. The strongest medicine in terms of sound healing is for those who are doing work on themselves already mm. and practicing something to help their awareness and balance in a regular on a regular basis. But it can benefit anybody for sure. And there are some dramatic physical effects that I've witnessed occur for clients that had specific health challenges. As you mentioned, the nose being blocked, that's an interesting one. I uh, I definitely can say that tuning can help re- reduce inflammation. Sound can help reduce inflammation. And that's one of the problems with when you have that congestion and you're just like, trying really hard to blow it out and you're actually irritating the passageway more with all that force that you're applying to it. Right. So I highly recommend if people are interested in being able to help themselves with that type of thing, a weighted tuning fork, Mm -hmm. which is the best way to actually do work on yourself, on your physical body. Mm -hmm. Uh, And you can look up like a chart of the lymph node points on the face and use the tuning fork right on those spots on your face. And Mm -hmm. Within moments, so some people will recommend like lymph massage or whatever, and you like press on those points really hard. And it, if you've got congestion or cold or allergies, that can hurt a lot because those areas are swollen and it, it'll help release some stuff, but it's painful. Mm. And then that part of your face will be sore for a while. If you're using sound, a weighted tuning fork is gentle. And as soon as you apply that vibration to the lymph node point, I mean, for me anyway, I immediately start to feel drain in the back of my throat of the lymph now starting to move and flow again. So that's the kind of thing that for a regular maintenance is even if you aren't having a problem that day, using a weighted tuning fork on the lymph nodes of the neck and on the face regularly can really help as a preventative measure against ever even getting some kind of a seasonal sniffle or cold. Mm -hmm. And, uh, as far as like the, so like, I, I got this, uh, lots of Zen tuning fork set. Um, it's kind of a basic starter kit, but it came with uh 128, 256 and 512. Um, is there like specific ones you work with that you like more than others or work better for certain things, or you just kind of, uh, let your spirit guide you on that? So I'm a huge fan of the Solfeggio frequency range and that, I mean, we could get into a lot of interesting mathematical gnosis about Solfeggio and why I like it. However, in my opinion, any coherent vibration is actually something your body can use to self-correct. Mm. I don't think that there's like, <laughs> so <laughs> I'll just make the disclaimer now when I say Solfeggio, I'm not talking about like those YouTube videos that say like uh Selfeggio frequencies activate God mode or whatever, <laughs> you know, there'll be like this list of like, uh, uh, you know, this frequency repairs your DNA and this frequency cut facilitates change. And this frequency heals your relationships. And like, I have no fucking clue. It's not that who kind of came up with that or where that came from. It's like, somebody wanted to market their YouTube channel better. And so they did that and it gives the whole idea of self edgeo kind of a, a bad name in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Now, like if someone presents to me the origin of that chart of this is the self edgeo magic frequencies, and this is why they do that. 
I would entertain looking at it and be like, okay, here's the information. But no one has that. I've never seen that. And I look into this stuff. Right. If I had to guess, I don't know, maybe it came from Leonard Hor- Horowitz's bio, like uh, some healing frequencies for the biological apocalypse or something like that. A book I never read, but he's somebody that popularized 528, which is one of the Solfeggio tones. But for me, the 369 is what makes Solfeggio so powerful that mm-hmm. there's the, uh, the Trinity is encoded in this range of frequency sets mm-hmm. that to me, there's something about that that makes them have something special to them, uh, reflecting the pattern that nature grows within. So I like, I like them for that reason, but you could also get like a solar harmonic scale, which would be your chromatic C to C range low C to high C and all the notes in between. I find that Selfeggio has a more like stimulating effect uh, and even kind of a little sharper of a tone, maybe a little bit more piercing and the solar harmonic sets, which would probably have like your A at 432 and then the rest of the scale of notes based on that tend to be a little more sedative, relaxing. So you know, I don't see a reason why you shouldn't use whichever one you prefer, but that's my personal experience on what's different one to the other. And my only other suggestion about specific frequencies would be, oh, I'll have a couple others. <laughs> uh, if you're actually interested in the practice of biofield tuning, which I'm not technically affiliated with, I don't know if that's a trademark term or something, but you know, I like to let everybody know the biofield tuning store is a great place to buy tuning forks. That's Eileen's website. Eileen Dame Cusick, who I learned from totally grateful for how she changed my life, <laughs> but I'm not like certified or affiliated or whatever. I do want people to go check out her stuff though. And, uh, one of the forks that you can pick up from her would be like a one seven four or one forty four or one of these weighted tuning forks. And I really like the low range like the 174, which is a Selfeggio tone. Because those longer tine forks, which would create the lower frequency vibrations, are easier to detect when there's some kind of like a shift in the tone mm. or something like that. And they're also kind of a little easier to strike loud and clear because they have these longer tines. So all in all, like if I wanted to, I could do an entire I could do an entire biofield tuning on somebody with just the one seven four and that would be great <laughs> it's that it's the easiest one to hear clearly when there's some change in the pitch mm. but that being said because all of this is operating on kind of like a mental plane and in my opinion it, the the value of the system is that it's like a language to communicate with your body mm. part of the value is also with a full range of selfeggio or solar harmonic forks where you're attaching the root chakra to C and the sacral chakra to D and up the line. The, or with Selfeggio, where I would correlate the uh, 396 to the root and then up from there, 417 sacral, 528 solar, you know, 639 heart. What I think is useful about that is because I'm, I've memorized that sort of uh, scale and it's easy to do. Cause it's just like one, two, three, four to me, as soon as I pick up the five, two, eight, 
in my intentions without me even having to think this is what I'm doing now. I'm already keyed into solar plexus with that tone. So for me, that's really useful to have like, this is this, this is this, this is this. And just set that and forget it because then I'm like already sending the intention signal that this is the energy center I'm hooking into. (laughs) So I find that very valuable. And then the last thing I would say is, I don't know if this is a hard and fast rule, but generally I think what is not helpful about like the 440 tuning of modern music is that as you approach the other notes on the chromatic scale from an A at 440, you start getting into decimals or fractions of of the notes are not even whole numbers. (laughs) Excuse me. I'm going to sneeze. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) I just did that whole uh, drain my (laughs) lymph thing before we caught on. So I didn't maybe clear it out as good as I could after. Yeah, it is. (laughs) (laughs) It is. And that's the other cool thing about using sound is that the effects are actually going to unpack in your body from your energy field for up to like three days before Mm. they're fully actualized because the body is slower and the blueprint, the energy field is the blueprint. And as it has been adjusted. Your body takes some time to like catch up to that and reframe itself to the template. So Mm. yeah, that's a lot of stuff I threw at you. I think I covered everything that was in my mind. Holy. Um, so, uh, just so I get this correct, uh, the, the tuning fork you used the most, you said was the one seven four or was that the two seven four? One seven four is really helpful for that. Like, ability to hear pitch changes and shifts. If I wanted, if I was going to pick one fork to do the whole session with, and I didn't have access to any other forks, but one, one seven four would be a good bet. However, for, if it was like, if I got to pick anything, I would actually use this guy. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> that thing's huge. Yeah. I have this like uh, Mjolnir hammer of Thor tuning fork here. This is actually a, a, a three, eight, four. So that's not in the Selfeggio range, but it is in the 432A is the A to this, but it's a G note, which I really, really like. I, yeah, this is not a tool for like the beginner though. (laughs) It's an expensive tool. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) And it'll just go on forever. So you know, technically if I could only use one fork, that would be the one I used, but that's not something I can recommend to the the new person. Mm. So, um, you've talked a lot about, um, you know, like physical ailments, um, you know, people, your clients finding ease, um, and, and, and those terms, but how about like, uh, emotional, spiritual, um, you know, even like sexual traumas, maybe like, what kind of stuff are you pulling out of people or, um, you know, just the feedback you're getting after sessions? Yeah, man, that's a really good question. Uh, all of that is something you can address in the energy field. And one thing I like to make sure people are aware of is cause this is something I occasionally get asked and people are a little, uh, put off or scared of this idea of like, Oh, if I do a session, I might have to relive my worst trauma. Mm. or feel the worst feelings I've ever felt. And that's actually not true. It's one of the things I specifically make the 
verbal contract with the client about, but I'm talking to their, their full total, like highest self. And we get in there and we're like, okay, so, you know, there's a protective layer of your psyche. There's many layers to our psyche. And one of these layers is this protective layer that its whole job is to hide emotions, feelings, and memories from our conscious mind so that we can continue going about our daily life and doing our normal tasks and what it thinks we need to do to survive. It's like this, we can't handle this right now. They'll mess up our whole day. We might not even get enough food or something like that. So there's like a, a very important biological reason why that layer of our psyche does its job like that. And before a session, I talked to that part and I'm like, okay, give your, for this process, you're going to give over your job to the highest self of the client, the supreme being, the pure life force energy that animates. And thus, anything that is unprocessed in terms of feelings or memories is possibly like up to be reintegrated. But with the caveat, I always make the caveat to them that they don't necessarily need to remember or to feel the feelings for it to reintegrate. And that is something I want people to know about in case they're considering a session is that there's not a guarantee (laughs) that you're going to like be crying your eyes out or feel the trauma or remember the bad stuff again. It's possible that you might remember it, but uh, very rarely, you know what? I say very rarely. I think never. I don't think anybody's ever had like, no, I'm positive. Nobody's ever had like a traumatic surge of memories come up the hardest situation maybe is that somebody might release emotion in the form of like sobbing or crying but that is always more of a good feeling than a bad feeling actually right (laughs) because it's an appropriate time and place to do that but even that isn't super common though the people that do that are the people that are like really open in their heart chakra and ready to release and like do another work on themselves the average, <laughs> the the average like stone-hearted American client, you know, they're not going to even shed a tear. <laughs> the, the heart chakra is actually one of the, you know, one of the things that uh, typically we don't even get to crack into very deeply unless they're coming back for a second or third session. Mm-hmm. For most people, the first session, which will be, we do hour sessions and for most people, that first session is actually going to typically focus on the ankles up to the solar plexus with a lot of emphasis in the root area, root sacral bodily energy centers, because typically, A, those areas, the energy as it gets stuck is denser and uh, say harder to move. It's just like, there's more going on there. (laughs) It's thicker, thicker. I don't know. And those are the centers that really, they have like a mirror relationship to the higher centers. So think about like the throat, throat chakra and the root chakra. If you're looking at the seven chakras as like two sets of three with a balance point between them, which is the heart, then the root is kind of like the first of the first triad and the throat is the first of the second triad. And how you your root has to do with like your energy, how you feel in your body a lot. Sacral kind of has a lot to do with actually how you feel in your body too, but you know, they overlap. But what you put in your mouth, <laughs> in the throat, is going to determine how you your energy levels, you know, how you feel in there, in the body, in your gut, and what uh, comes out of your mouth, what you say, <laughs> is going to be reflective of how you feel internally. 
if that makes sense. And like, you know, sacral has to do with our creative, physical, creative energy right. in the world. And it correlates to third eye, which is your mental creative energy in a sense. Mm. Uh, and, you know, same with crown and solar plexus. They both relate to issues of will, sovereignty, power like that. So uh, in, in my opinion, one of the biggest issues with the majority of spiritual traditions from history and a lot of what has been translated into the <laughs> some goof, goofiness of the new age movement is like a real emphasis on suppressing the body or that the body is a prison and like we need to escape the body. Let's try to have out of body experiences and don't worry about our health. Like, you know, we're going to die. Our kingdom's in heaven. Don't worry about that. Right. And to me, to me, that's like a recipe for disaster. Cause yeah. <laughs> totally. yeah. if, if there's one compliment that I've been given that I really appreciate because it's like super aligned with my intentions is people tend to say that I'm grounded or that they like that I bring things back to a body-based perspective. And I think that's very important because I live in a world where there isn't this thing called spirit and then this thing called matter or like there's not this spirit world, but we're in the physical world. I think we're in the spirit world right now. Right. <laughs> I don't think there's right. any, I don't think there's any difference. I don't, my experience, uh, my knowledge in terms of how I see matter and especially as I learn more about alchemy, I'm like, yo, Matter is definitely energy. There is not energy in that matter. There's just a scale of like what the energy is doing and how we, what aspect of our sensory input apparatuses are we detecting that energy on? Totally. So matter is like one end of that spectrum and energy or light, you know, that's another end of the spectrum, but it's one thing. They're not, they're not opposites. And in a hermetic sense, that makes perfect sense to me too, because, you know, there aren't really even opposites. There's thing, there's the thing and the degree of the thing. Like there's not hot and cold, right? There's, there's more hot and less hot. <laughs> there's not actually such a thing as cold. And that's great too, so because true. it can really help uh, clear up some of our view of the world. Like there's actually no such thing as darkness. Darkness mm. is conceptual as well. It's the term that we apply to when there is less light, mm. but in terms of it being like a substance or a thing, and it, you know, there's not existence and non-existence. <laughs> There's just existence. Non-existence doesn't exist in like the most simple philosophical terms. So, you know, I'm kind of on a ramble right now. Why don't you hit me with some more questions or comments? <laughs> totally. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I, I feel like uh, a lot of us, you know, whether it's through programming and uh, our upbringing, uh, dogmatic beliefs, stuff like that, you know, we give power to something outside of ourselves in the form of one boogeyman or another. And, uh, you know, that can be a trap in and of itself. <laughs> Not I'm a boogeyman slayer. <laughs> Me too. hundred <laughs> percent. Um, yeah, I, I guess, uh, Dayton, did you want to jump in, um, with any questions or, um, just, I guess yeah. things that have came up for you? Well, Oh, well, I work a little differently. Um, I, 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 but I agree with like, I, I like where you see, um, as far as like, I'm a body guy too, and earth and, um, it is all just communication and running back. And for people like going out there wanting to grab forks and, uh, get into sound, um, I think your intention with it has more strength than the actual fork you have. Um, mm. And I just think 
the sound just is a good way to carry what intention you're sending. And like, I've gone through the, the seven keys and how they're supposed to hit you in certain places. And I do believe that the physics of it, where the vibration enters is at the same points for us, but sound like it'll just move wherever it, it knows where to go. Like it, it does its own thing. So like I'll be getting hit with sound vibrations that are supposed to hit my solar plex. And because of where my body is at the time and where my energy is at the time, it's, it's just straight going to my head and working there. And same, like sometimes I'll be, you know, I've, I've had a, somebody go through all seven bowls at every point and everything came to the same spot that I was working on. That's where all they entered and then they moved and they went to where they felt they were needed. And um, it had a lot to do with the same hand sending it, wanting to send the same type of thing to me. You know, it's, it's, I think the intention, I think the, where the source is coming from is most important about um, using sound. I love what you said there, man. I actually a hundred percent agree. I think anybody could pick up a tuning fork and get benefit from, or a singing bowl and get benefit from immersing themselves in coherent sound. Totally. And, you know, and so the biofield anatomy method, what makes it so special and different, if you will, is considered like, you know, if you were trying to write a story, <laughs> you're trying to write an allegory that provided some kind of profound lesson to the reader, but all you had to work with were the letters of A, B, and C. And like you, are you going to write much of a story with that? Or, you know, and maybe this is not a good metaphor. I've never really tried to come up with one before, but the, <laughs> here's the deal with like, obviously your body can use the coherent sound where it needs to apply it. That's a hundred percent true. But a big part of the process, considering like what you just said, that really what's going on here is communication, that nature is a big interconnected web of communication ecosystems are every point is in communication with every other point. Look at mycelial networks as an example of that. Mm-hmm. Look at how electricity, how field dynamics work. <laughs> so our bodies are the same way. And actually what is causing the dis-ease is that like, you know, the signal in the kidney is no longer reaching the signal to other parts of the body that it needs to talk to. And at the end of the day, the ideal scenario is that every part of your whole system is in connection with every other part. And, you know, there's a very interesting tangent to go into with like, what is transhumanism and why that's the, why it's the opposite of what I just described and how like on a profound philosophical level, why it's such an inverted and dangerous concept. And maybe remind me to talk about that afterwards, but <laughs> with the, with biofield anatomy. So it's like, like I said, it's like a language. We have this conceptual framework of what energy stuck in different parts of the field means. Okay. And to some degree, there's like a verifiable reality to aspects of it. Like the, the size of someone's energy field, their personal bubble space really does consistently average out at about six feet off the body. And I can detect that with a fork. I can, I know when I touch the edge of it, uh, specifically for me, how it works is I get, clicks and pops and in, in my head in my ears whenever i hit the edge of it is like uh pressure differential in my ears that i literally hear and feel as clicks and pops and feel like electrical things happening in my head and that's not going to be maybe everybody's way that their body clues them in 
a lot more, more people are going to be using very careful, paying attention to the actual sound and the, how long the fork vibrates out, what kind of wobble it has. And mm-hmm. this is where the practice aspect comes in. Cause you need to figure out how you are going to detect this stuff. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just an innate knowing. Maybe you're like, I know when I hit the spot because I just know. And that's fine too. That's actually how I started out. And then over time I started to get more of a concrete, consistent messaging system from body because <laughs> body's like, okay, we know what we're doing here. We've done this a bunch of times. Okay. I know what, I know what this is. And I also think it has to do with my Qigong practice being very regular because similar stuff goes on when I'm moving energy and clearing my own meridian channels similar electrical popping clicking stuff happens throughout my body during that process. So I think there's something related there that I kind of developed that particular skill out of the habit of the daily practice of Qigong, which I highly, highly recommend. I got a really great recent episode with uh, teacher John Monroe on yeah. my channel. Really good episode. So to give some examples about this biofield anatomy language and what makes it useful is uh, first of all, because like you said, the sound is going to ca- the sound is the mercury in this equation of carrying the salt to the sulfur in an alchemical wedding. And so the salt, salt is memory. Salt crystals are memory in the plant kingdom, uh, in your body. You know, it's wisdom, ancestral memory. The sulfur is like the soul, the essence of the being. And the mercury is that which bridges the two together, carries them together. It's the fairy man <laughs> in, in mythology, you know. It's Jesus, it's uh, Odin, whoever. And the sound is the mercury in this equation where energy that is stuck off balance in your field is actually the same as memory. Metaphorically or philosophically, it's salt. And it's salt that needs to be married to the sulfur so that you know your own power and remember who you are in a way that makes you not as uh, divided, if you will. Um, energy consciousness, same thing. Every, all energy in the cosmos is actually the same life force energy and that life force energy, the degree to which that you hold it as a body vessel, that's how much more you're actually able to be aware of it once and remember about your mission here, your own life, all that. If you think back, if you think on it, it's radically true. Like the more energized and alive you feel, the more things that you can handle at once in your awareness, the more things you know, you know, the lower your energy dips, you know, like the walls start closing and getting dark, man, <laughs> you know, light, the energy and light memory. These are actually synonymous terms in the philosophical scheme. Mm-hmm. And whenever we apply different terminology to this one life force energy, it just depends on the perspective we're looking at it from and the relationship that we're taking to it. So whenever we have, Difficult, traumatic stuff that we don't want to remember, or more importantly, when some experience happens in our life that causes us to set a different or to set a particular belief about ourselves or about the world, but just kind of the same thing. <laughs> we okay, think about when you get a new device, right? Some kind of technology. The first time you pop it open and you're like, okay, what are the options on this bad boy? And you go into the options menu. And you just, you don't really know what you're doing with this device. You set a few options and then you just go on your way and start using it. And then uh, like years later, <laughs> you like look into the option settings menu and you know the device a lot better now. And you're like, 
why did I have it set to this? This is a terrible setting. (laughs) (laughs) So I like, here's a specific example of somebody that I tuned recently. It was a younger guy and he was like 20, which is always interesting because they're closer to that early life stuff. And, um, you know, the majority of my clients are probably 40 and older. And anyway, we hit this spot in his field where I, the information that was there for me was like, okay, at some point, somebody was kind of ragging on you and calling you lazy at this. And I, I, I knew the age, I think it was like 11 or something. I was like, you were between 10 and 11 years old. You're going through some experience, maybe a teacher, maybe when your parents was calling you lazy a lot. I got the sense it was a parent and they weren't maybe even being malicious about it. Right. (laughs) They're just like, well, do your chores. You're so lazy and whatever. Uh, He didn't necessarily even remember the experience per se. uh, But, and sometimes people do know exactly the experience when I bring it up. Sometimes they don't. And this is one of those where it's more obscured from them because at some point he got this messaging that he's lazy. He internalized it to some degree, believed it. And this is like the metaphor of the technology where you set an option in your settings menu, and then you forgot that it was even an option. So we oftentimes, and a lot of us out there, most people out there have beliefs about themselves, their own abilities, their own power, their flaws, particularly (laughs) what they think are their flaws, where they set that belief in their options menu, and then they forgot it was even an option. They set it and forget it. And it might not be like a big, big energy drain, but you know, in the grand scheme of your, exactly, exactly. In the grand scheme of things, if you like even have 1% less of your personal energy available because it's tied up in the belief that you're lazy. And so to adhere to that belief, you're holding that energy back from yourself. You know, this is a great example, but there's all kinds of ways that this could happen and types of beliefs that can hold us back that we don't even know we said about ourselves. We, we don't actually believe that now in our conscious mind. Like, I'm not lazy. But there was some time in your life where you actually internalized it, believed it, and you're still holding on to it a little bit because you never went back and changed the setting. Mm. So that's the equivalent of what's going on whenever I find that stuck energy and bring it to their mind, mental awareness. I tell them I found it at this age. And a lot of times what I find people are like, yeah, <laughs> I'll, be like, uh, I'll find something where I'm like, okay, here's the time where you felt trapped. You felt like you, know, you didn't have any personal power and control over where your life was going. And you're 27 and they'll be like, Oh yeah, that's when I got married, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and they're not with that, that partner anymore. Right. So, uh, things like that. Right. And, and, uh, we may have even done the work on yourself to go back and heal certain difficult traumas and relationships, but there could still be a little bit of like a scratch in your record that we can buff out with the tuning by bringing your conscious mind to it is also like, bringing it back in to your circulation. So I hit that pocket of stuck energy. I detect based on where it is in the axis of the verticality, which is the chakra system, the left, right axis, the front back axis, all of those three dimensions give you some kind of specific information about the feeling and the type of energy that is stuck where it is. So in terms of like the lazy energy or the the feeling of like, or the belief that, I'm lazy. This is hanging out. If you have this, (laughs) this will actually be hanging out on the left side of your body at about hip level from about like the, where your legs meet to the hip, that range, which is root chakra on the left, 
probably more to the front than the back. And energy that gets stuck in that zone is actually typically related to like indolence or laziness, like not having the motivation to do stuff or like believing that you are lazy or anything related to not getting it done. And then on the other, the flip side at that same height, the root area, the hip area on the right hip, off the right hip, this is where you're like balls to the wall, pushing yourself way too hard, overdoing it, overworking yourself. You know, we can work really hard, <laughs> but whenever, but whatever it's not, you know, there's a, other, there's a lot of other information in the root chakra. And so if we're pushing ourselves really hard and think about how, and it's to something that isn't in alignment with our actual spiritual reason, soul's reason for being here, mm-hmm. you know, root chakra deals with like our livelihood, it deals with our home situation. And our work is like a second home. If we work outside of the home, you're there possibly more than your home. So all these things are very interconnected. And if you continually stay out of balance in that particular zone of overworking at something that isn't even really in flow for who you are, it's actually going to develop into hip problems and think how many people in the right hip specifically, and think how many people in the U S hip replacements, they're like not even 50. You're like, yeah, you need your hip replaced. Right. (laughs) I've actually worked with people who were being told by the hospitals, you need your hip replaced. And you know, you come in, you come get a tuning and we do it semi-regularly if necessary, you can push that off to maybe never do it, never get the yeah. replacement. In fact, the most dramatic, probably the most dramatic physical immediate after effect of a tuning I ever, I ever was able to find out about, because not everyone even reports back to me, mm-hmm. but I had a guy, his energy field was, I think like 55 maybe, his energy field was actually geometrically way out of whack. And he didn't tell me much about what was going on with himself before we started, but the one side of his energy field was like seven to eight feet. At one point it was actually bulging out to eight feet off the body. And on the other side, it was like pulled into like five feet. So he was not in the, he was not, he was not in balance, you know, and that's actually the geometry thing is actually fairly common. It's fairly common, but this was an extreme case. It was like a way off. Usually when they're off, it's like more six to eight inches off. And anyway, I told the guy this, I was like, yo, <laughs> you got, you're way over, overstretched on the right here. And he told me that's interesting because I have hip, a hip problem where my right hip is actually like out of alignment and, and pulled in and his his right leg was six or seven inches shorter than his left leg Whoa. because his hip was so out of place. So he couldn't really go upstairs. He'd have to like take it one foot at a time. And he was seeing a chiropractor about it, but it was very painful. And he was doing his, he was doing the work on himself. So this is part of why there's a dramatic result. He's doing his stretches. He was seeing his Cairo for adjustments. And three days after his session, he emails me and he's like, I went into the chiropractor today after I had done a stairs workout and immediately I'm like, stairs work out. <laughs> and he's like, my chiropractor was shocked because he said my legs were actually the same length now. And wow. he couldn't believe it because he said this should have, this result should have taken w- at least several weeks of adjustments and stretching to achieve. Mm. And it was three days after turning. So that Holy shit is, shit. Ext- that's an extreme result, right? 
Yeah. And it's very possible. There's like a, a lot is possible with this stuff. Oh yeah. Totally. Yeah. Swelling will go down in people right in front of your eyes. Like they'll have a knot and you'll see it dissolve. And you're just like, wow, I love life. <laughs> you know, it's beautiful. <laughs> So if I wasn't fully clear about it, though, the, the real advantage of it as a language of the biofield anatomy, which, you know, Dayton, you could learn if you picked up this book that we referred to, even didn't you wouldn't even have to read the whole book. You could just kind of like check out the chart at the back and be like, mm-hmm. OK, this is a good map. And whether or not it's a literally true thing in the physical energy field, if you're intending that this is the map, then whenever there's a certain energy with a certain emotional quality to it and you're working in that bubble space of the person, you can actually get the ping of information that this is what they're dealing with. And, you know, whether or not it's literally true, it's kind of like language. Language isn't true in and of itself. The deer is not called a deer by nature. Um, You know, your name is not actually Andre. You don't have a name. There's no, there's no man has a name in nature. Right. But you can use language to describe the truth. And in the same way, so I'm not like a stickler to say like the biofield anatomy is literally the physical anatomy. Maybe someone else will use a different language or, you know, as I've approached this work to some degree, I have maybe my own twist on some of the parts of the biofield from my experience and, and all that. But it is really useful to use as a language because it, it will allow you to describe the truth quite accurately and beneficially because now you're bringing to their mental awareness to their conscious mind, something that is actually describing the truth of how their energy field is configured or something that actually happened to them in their life. And when you get to that point with tuning, we are able to tell somebody you are this age and some, and something like this happened that made you feel like this. And they're like, yes, it did exactly at that age. Here's what it was. They get like a, a real wake up call <laughs> to the, to see just how their how important their energy really is that somebody waving around tuning forks in their living room states away or countries away could tell them something about themselves that they had forgotten but it was true yeah and that's that's clutch because right there that allows them to be more receptive to the whole process and it's going to be more beneficial for everybody and i'm not familiar with the language you're speaking of but I, I've had a lot of um, field experience, you know, with different people, different cases. And, and what, you, what you're saying, how you describe it is, is very much on spot. Like it all makes sense. It all, it all goes the way it feels, like the way you're talking about the points and this is here and this is there and that's there. I, I, I'm following you and I like it a lot. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And it, language is clutch we need to communicate and the science will help a lot of minds that aren't in tune to the feeling. Right. Yeah. I, I, uh, found it interesting. Uh, Eileen was talking about, uh, how like pregnant woman, people with pacemakers can't do this work. Uh, I would get your take on, uh, that kind of thing or, um, what that's about or what that brings up for you. I defer to the expert on that. (laughs) You know, first of all, the process of sound balancing is electrical and pacemakers are electrical devices. So as soon as you, as soon as you got technology in your body, there's 
we're outside of my comfort zone for sure. <laughs> right. I wouldn't want to disrupt that with pregnant women. It is, I wouldn't, I, I don't know if I, she is way more educated and credentialed. So like, mm-hmm. I think we should defer to her on this, but right. here's the why she would probably say the same thing about cancer patients as well. That because tuning can actually cause a spontaneous detox process or it can cause certain bodily organs to actually reset. Mm. Like if somebody is really redlining their kidneys and adrenals with caffeine and nicotine and, (laughs) you know, other things that are bad for your kidneys. (laughs) Uh, Oh yeah. (laughs) Oftentimes like, they might not even tell me those things about themselves when we do a tuning and they let me know afterwards that they're just wrecked. Like they're so tired because they're, that system is actually rebooting and their energy will come back stronger and clearer afterwards. But uh, spontaneous detox, fatigue from adrenal reset, all of that is stuff that could happen. And you don't probably want to do a spontaneous organ release of, toxins when you have a baby inside you or if you're already compromised by receiving chemotherapy or something like that so i understand all those um i understand those situations maybe not being ideal candidates for tuning that being said i think it's possible to set clear intentions and boundaries with the body on where the sound can go and what it can do and being a little more tactical so in those cases people in those situations i would probably still not be super keen to do like a session on them unless we were targeting something very specific that wasn't going to interfere with those other processes mm. and uh, that they were <laughs> aware that, you know, the risk they need to make sure that they're setting that intention themselves very clearly. And they're like, right. I'm not responsible if you have a detox that is not helpful, but you know, okay. So as a practicing healer person, I get wanting to have those, boundaries so that you don't do something that causes more harm because the whole point is that you want to cause help however however i i think probably you know i think probably the intentions would be honored and everything would would go okay even (laughs) like i don't i've never had somebody have a a detox experience that they weren't ready for and needing Mm. you know so I trust the body's innate intelligence a lot. And if you are somebody in one of those particular situations, pregnant, cancer, pacemaker, uh, best, the best answer for you is the same as my answer for anybody. Use sound yourself on yourself. And then nobody is responsible for it but you anyway. You know, uh, I, the reason why I go on podcasts and talk about this isn't just to like land clients for myself although I'm so grateful that I'm able to work with clients because it's part of what has freed me from other types of work that are not really in alignment with why I'm here. Right. But I also want, I want the world to know this, (laughs) that they they can learn this pretty simple language. They don't even have to memorize the language, just print out the chart and work with that and give it a go. Practice, play around with the sound, you sound your own way. Just knowing that there's this powerful modality that is non-invasive, and we can talk some about science aspects of how sound affects the body on a physical cellular level too, or the transhumanism thread might be interesting. Uh, 
yeah, like, I just want more people to be practicing this. I mean, oh. it's great that people can come to me as like a specialist or whatever, but know that I only, as I said, I really started diving into this in 2019. That's three years ago. Mm. And within a couple of years of experimenting, researching, I'm able to proficiently do this for people in a way that has a big impact on their life. I think that means that a lot of people could do that short journey to proficiency as well. And I would love it if this was as common of a practice for people as that they knew how to do for themselves and for others as like taking a shower. Right. Taking <laughs> swimming lessons. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's like, it's actually simpler. I hope that I've made it clear that it's simple, but you know, there's complexity to it in terms of a language, just like you can get complex with how you speak. Mm. But in terms of the basics, we're talking about an alphabet that is as easy to learn as your ABCs, right? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm just recalling like after my first session, I remember like rushing to get up. And then when I tried to walk, I could not like walk. Dave's like, sit down, grab some water. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, it's definitely definitely needs some time to sit with what you just went through afterwards. And they're always going to be different. And it's what you're aiming for too. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty forceful. And especially when I'm with someone like you, who I was, as soon as I tuned into you, I was like, he's, he's pretty open everywhere. He can, we're going to, we're going to rock him, you know, we're <laughs> going to get your cup overflowing. So you're just spilling out to everybody. Cause I knew you were ready for it. And yeah, yeah when you get vibrating, you can stay vibrating a little bit. You take it easy after you're playing with some sound for sure. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess, um, for both of you guys, do you have any advice for beginners just getting into it, just buying tuning forks, um, just kind of, just general advice you would give to people that are curious to get into this uh, stuff. You know, I'd love to hear Dayton go first on that and then maybe I'll riff on it too. Cool. You know, I'm a, I'm old school. <laughs> and so I'm kind of a hands-on guy. Um, so I, I, I would say just grab something and experience it, feel it real quick. You can test out a tuning fork in a store. I know it's easier to get them online and stuff, but if, or a singing bowl or whatever it is, go ahead and give it a little ding and see how it feels. If it feels good, it is good. Yeah, that's really great. I, my personal advice is uh, if you're wanting to just open the door to this type of thing, not necessarily trying to work on other people, I'm a huge proponent of the weighted fork. This right here is the Sonic Slider. You can get it at the Biofield Tuning Store. This is Eileen's you know, customized invention that she did a lot of experimenting to find the exact frequency she felt was most useful. It is the Schumann resonance, the average of the Schumann re resonance anyway, it kind of goes up and down times 12. So it's like 93.96, I think. And this was the first step for me. I had had an injury from rock climbing where I thought it was from rock climbing. Now I realize that all injury has to do with a spiritual emotional component every time no matter what the injury happened externally to your physical body as like a a red flag because your body actually has always used health and the body has always been a map to your emotional body they're not separate so all to your psyche too kind of the same thing 
So your body's always been trying to communicate with you from every little scrape, every time you stubbed your toe, you know, every broken bone has always had a meaning that if you were able to truly read the the map, if you will, that is the body, you would have got the memo. <laughs> and, you know, you notice some people, I, I've had somebody, you know, here's an example where I start working in their ankles. I usually start from the bottom and go up and... I was immediately like, you've had really painful problems with your ankles like your whole life. And she goes, yeah, I've broken my ankles five times. <laughs> wow. I was like, yeah, I could, I could tell. So the ankles have a very specific meaning. If we're talking about the left ankle, the left ankle pertains to our ability to identify stress and move away from stress. Mm. And uh, the right ankle pertains to our uh, procrastination <laughs> or perfectionism, if you will, mm. things like that. I call it perfectionism, procrastinationism. Because <laughs> for me, like it'll manifest in me in me being a perfectionist about details that actually are not important at all as a way of procrastinating the stuff I should be doing. So I like I'll do both at the same time. But now I'm more aware of it. So anyway, that's the ankles. The ankles have very specific information in them and if you're having ankle problems rolling your ankles broken ankle it's actually gonna pertain to one of those things depending on left or right ankle front or back and all that you know there can be a little bit of there can be some overlap because it might there's overlap to the ankles and the knees and all the energy centers are connected to each other as well you know if it's not you might not know it but you could be having a sacral issue and an ankle issue and then those things in context with each other will tell you even more specifically what this situation is going on that your body's trying to alert you to. So anyway, all that aside, backing up, I had this injury to my left shoulder. And at the time, I had no idea that the left shoulder pertained to absorbing negative energy from the world, like absorbing the pain and suffering from the world or from people around you. The left shoulder, left armpit has a lot to do with that. Eileen calls the left armpit the pit of despair. Because <laughs> <laughs> for whatever reason, that's like where you accumulate that type of external psychic trouble. And I didn't know that. And I had this left shoulder injury. And I was at the time in a, a relationship that was definitely like psychic vampirism. I don't want to put blame on the other because psychic vampires and narcissists require... Uh, victim mentality empaths in order to operate. And that's where I was at and I wasn't seeing it. But all that aside, <laughs> I had this, I was like, I, I hurt my shoulder climbing and I can't seem to fix it. And I'd take like a month off climbing and then try again. And I, it wasn't getting better. It was actually getting worse. I couldn't raise my shoulder above this level or my arm above my shoulder level. And then I heard Eileen for the second time on that Crow episode. And I was like, you know, this sounds really good. Bells were going off in my head. Ding, 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 ding. This is a thing you should check out. So I got a sonic slider. I ordered a book. I started using the slider on my shoulder, just holding it to the, as close to the area where it was painful as possible. And I'm not kidding you, man. Just doing that for like five minutes, five, maybe 10 minutes a day. Within three days, the pain was gone. Within five days, I was raising it all the way up. Wow. Within a week, full range of motion, full ability to work out, no more pain, didn't come back. So, and then it took a little longer for this, but then like within a few months after that, toxic relationship ending. Mm. 
you know, and at the time, even back then, even learning about the process, I didn't realize like that one thing led to another, <laughs> but mm-hmm. I definitely did. I was no longer vulnerable in this area. And so like my, as you heal your body, as you address emotional hangups, as you in a, in a literal sense, seal up the holes and vulnerabilities in the plasmatic membrane of your bioenergetic field. Thus your external world also shifts. And in many ways, so the relationships didn't shift. I'm a big proponent of you don't actually need to like cut people out of your life. Usually like having healthy boundaries and knowing when to say no in a situation. Sure. But generally speaking, all of that stuff sorts itself out. If you're sorting yourself out, you don't need to like go around. Who do I cut out today? You know, it's not, it actually will rearrange itself on its own. And the mm-hmm. same goes for like your, your living space. You get your personal energy in balance and harmony. And, you know, especially if you don't like where you live, you feel like you got a bad unsafe home or things like that, or you, you really don't like the job that you're stuck. You feel stuck at. A lot of times people are trying to fix their life by fixing the outside world. Mm-hmm. They're like, I would just be happy if I could work for myself or instead of working for this job, do this instead and they're just striving and fighting and trying to make that change in the external world. And they just feel like they're spinning their wheels and they're, they're stuck to the stuff that is stressing them out and they don't like, but if they would address it on the energy level and be consistent with maintaining that vibrational harmony, they will find themselves out. They will find their way out of those other situations. It will happen. The opportunity will show up that they need the courage to do the right thing. will show up, whatever it is, you know, they'll move like, (laughs) It's, it's wild. I, I'm positive that this is true. And even in simple stuff, like part of the issue with the stuck energy in your field is that it is a part of you that you've now walled off, compartmentalized and kept separate. And in a, in a sense, you might as well call that demonic possession or mm-hmm. entity attachment. Right. I actually, in terms of interacting with attachments and possession type stuff, I, I approach that type of idea from the biofield so that it can be sort of objective, less emotional, less scary, less mystical, because it's functionally the same. You know, the ancients would consider that people got sick because of evil spirits. Now we know that it has a lot to do with the biome in your gut. Mm. It's really a difference. We're talking about invisible entities that you can't see that influence your mind and your health inside of you. Is there really a difference? Parasites. <laughs> Is there a difference? I mean, right. functionally, it's the same thing. It's just different language to talk about it. So that's how I, t- I would say you're actually he- like releasing, possessing entities, integrating, you know, getting rid of attachments, however you want to put it with the process of biofield tuning. And because that energy that was being held at arm's length away from you, <laughs> right under your nose all this time, is actually your personal energy that you've separated from or attempted to. Of course, you're never actually separate. Uh, <laughs> you're, it's, it's wild, though, to consider how, in a micro, macro level, if you've created this separation uh, and you've put the negative out here and you're trying to hold on to the positive here only, metaphorically, that, that doing that actually creates a field, you know, very similar to the idea of quantum entanglement. If you have uh, taken particles that are that were a part of the same whole originally and separated them 
a field is created between them, no matter how far, no matter how far apart those particles are. And in the same way, you're creating a field where you're influencing the field that's already there by holding this type of energy away from yourself. And because your energy field, your personal bubble space, your your torus, torus, toroidal field is a fractal microcosm of all other toroidal fields in the realm, then the world you live in is actually going to be in a way configured in the similarity to the field dynamic that you've created in your Taurus. It is like that. (laughs) So because part of that energy is now out there, you have say like 90% of your personal power available, 80% of your personal power available and look at your life. Are there things where you're like, you're starting, but not finishing. Do you do the dishes and get 80% of the way done? But before, after drying them, you don't put them in the cabinet and you leave it sitting there. (laughs) These are the little things that are actually a reflection of your personal, what bioenergy that you have available of your personal power. And that's a big result that can come from doing this type of work on yourself or receiving this type of work is that you will find that you've got the energetic throughput that you're finishing things that you started, that the closet that you have been afraid to touch or you felt like you didn't have time to organize or get rid of the stuff in there you needed to get rid of, all of a sudden one day you're just like, I think I can do this today. And it gets done. You know, your, your living space is one of those toroidal bubbles that is a, a fractal macro of your bubble. It's actually, your living space is a layer of your psyche. <laughs> Believe it or not, it's one of the layers of your being. So it's going to reflect changes to your personal energy as well. So there's like, it's really even hard to conceptualize the level of ramifications of positive change that can result from improving your personal boundary of your bubble space and the flow of the energy within it. It's like the sky's the freaking limit. <laughs> and, what I love so much about how my life has changed since I started doing tuning, something I realized recently that is different than the way life ever was before, is I actually work more productivity-wise than I ever have, but I don't feel like it. I feel like it's the weekend every day, partly because I'm working for myself now because I have that root energy more sorted out, so I'm not like pursuing livelihood for survival for the feeling that I need to, to survive because I'm afraid that if I don't do the thing I hate, then I won't have enough money to eat or whatever. But that I, what I really love about life now is that I get everything done, but it's never on like a, a schedule or a clock that is not my own. So, you know, I'll, I'll see things that need to be done in my space or in my list of projects and uh, make the mental note. Yeah, sure. That's on the to-do list. But at the time when it feels good and right to do it, I just spontaneously do it instead of it being like, all right, it's 8 a.m. Johnson. And I need those TPS reports within 30 minutes and you got to do that right away. And then as you're trying to get that done, your, your office mate is like, I screwed this up. Can you help me with this? And you're just like, fuck. (laughs) It's like always on this, the external world's time. You got to do this now. And like, it's never in the flow that feels good or right. And for me, life now all the things I do, it's what I want to do when I want to do it. And I think that is possible for all of us. I think that's the natural human state. I think that's how energy is supposed to work is that energy is primed to move when the feeling is there. (laughs) And I'm all about following that. 
It's a good place to be, brother. And I could definitely see it's had an impact on you. I mean, just the way you speak, man, I can tell like <laughs> just even, I think it was like a year ago we last, uh, I, I last had you on, but I, I can just, I can just feel it, man. I can see it in you, um, just how you conduct yourself. And, um, yeah, you just, your voice is stronger and you feel more in your purpose uh, is what I'm picking up. So, um, bravo to you, brother. And I'm happy you're on the path. Thanks, man. Yeah. About a year ago is where I actually ditched the, uh, old job for good. (laughs) So, and I think it was like right after that happened, you came on. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Congratulations. (laughs) Thanks, man. Thanks, thanks. This has been a fun conversation so far. Fuck yeah, dude. Uh, I I wanted to ask your thoughts on like the whole 432 hertz and music and that whole thing, Um, as well as uh, do you think there is like a set frequency or vibration like that is kind of our baseline or that we would be in perfect harmony um, as opposed to others? Or do you think everyone is unique in their own way with that? Those questions are a bit over my pay grade. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to like bullshit people, but I think the value of the value of like 432 over 440, I think I already kind of touched on this is in whole numbers. Maybe I should just get into Solfeggio as well. The things that I've discovered about that, about that sort of determine why I like it. Uh, I want to open this reference I have. Hopefully I can find it easily. You know what? No, we'll just do this off the top of my head. Okay. So I think that coherent frequencies are what the body uses to self-tune. And coherent means like the trough and the peak and the trough of the wave are consistent with each other in shape and size. So there's like symmetry and harmony. I think that's where the good, the good juju is. And for whatever reason, like we have this unit of measurement called a second. And when we're talking about Hertz, we're talking about like oscillations per second, right? I don't even like the word Hertz. Obviously that's a family name. Right. <laughs> it has other meanings phonetically, but so we're, when we're talking about frequency, we're talking about vibration, we're talking about cycles per second. How many times does that thing cycle in the the one second? And the second, for whatever reason, does have this, uh, when you look into the, <laughs> like why the ancients even p- picked particular units of measurement, there seems to be some type of cosmic harmony to the units of measurement that we are applying to the world. Mm. And what, why that is, uh, maybe that's another conversation, but... There's a difference between uh, decimals, fractions, and whole numbers in terms of this coherence. This is my opinion, okay? So I'm not, a, I'm not telling you for sure that this out is. Don't take but it. Whenever, <laughs> but okay, so understanding like theosophical reduction or addition is where you take a number and you add the digits together to reduce it down to one number. So... 174 would reduce to a 12. 1 plus 7 is 8. 8 plus 4 is 12. So that's actually a 12 would reduce down to a 3. Again, so the 174 is also kind of carrying this energy of 3. And that's one of the solfeggio tones. But what about a, you know, 
what energy, what, what numerical energy is that holding? Well, it's like, I don't know. I'm not going to even do the math on that, but we're in a a range of decimals where all of a sudden you've got some of the numerical energy, metaphorically speaking on one side. And then there's this thing called a period and there's some other energy on the other side of it. (laughs) At least mentally, it's like a little, it's just less cohesive. And I think that that's maybe what the problem is with 440 is that we're getting into a range of some of the notes having these decimals to them. And not that decimals don't have their place and use in, in mathematics or whatever, but in terms of coherent sound, coherent frequency, I like solfeggio because there's the 174, which is reducing down to that 3. Then there's a 285. 2 plus 8 is 10, plus 5 is 15. So that's a 6. 1 plus 5 is 6. Then you have the 396. 3 plus 9, 12. 6 plus to, uh, 12 is 8. 18, 18. So there's a 9, right? 18 reduces down to a 9. So right there in the 174 is a 3. 285 is a 6. 396 is a 9. And actually, as you continue up the Solfeggio scale, 417 would be next. Well, 417 is the rearrangement of 174. Mm-hmm. 528 is a rearrangement of 285. Uh, 693, rearrangement of 396. And on it goes. You have 714, and then you have eight, uh, 852, and 963. So the, it's three sets of three in a way. The first three make a 369. The next three make a 369. The next three make a 369. <laughs> so it, whatever way you slice it, you're getting three, six, or nine. And then it gets even more weird when you start doing the differentials between addition and subtraction of any of these tones. So like a one, seven, four. So when you're playing two, I actually do a lot of stuff where I'm playing two forks at the same time, sometimes three at the same time. And a one, seven, four plus a two, eight, five gives you a four, five, nine, four plus five plus nine is a 18. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'm cheating with the calculator. So it's still giving you a nine. Or if you wanted to look at it, I kind of like to look at it from the differential level of subtraction more. So two, eight, five minus one, seven, four, that's one, 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 mm-hmm. right? So actually any of the num any of the solfeggio numbers that are tangential to each other, like as in next to each other in the scale, if you subtract them from each other, you get a three, uh, you get a one, 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 or, some, or 102 or something that reduces down to a three. Any of the Solfeggio numbers that are a step away from each other, like 396 to 528, the differential is going to give you a six. And if they're two steps away from each other, the differential is going to give you a nine. So, and there's a lot more math magic you can do with it. But basically, any way you slice it, add, subtract, multiply, divide, Solfeggio is bringing you back to 369 eternally in this relationship of ones, fours, and sevens together, twos, fives, and eights together, and three, sixes, and nines together. So to me, this is the Trinity. Mm. The Trinity is obviously like a well-established religious doctrine. They didn't include it in the Bible because of all the idolatry from India whenever they gave people the Trimurti back then, and the Bible is astrotheology based completely out of India. Um, not obviously that's a separate subject. It's my other area of expertise is astrotheology and 
uh, word magic and language in mythology and breaking the spells of uh, religious idolatry and mysticism to bring people back to nature, which is what the allegories were ever supposed to describe. And, you know, that's a whole nother podcast. <laughs> I do love to talk about that stuff though. But anyway, yeah. uh, when we're talking about the Trinity, it's mother, father, child it is salt, mercury, sulfur. It is this relationship of, uh, you know, to have three dimensional reality, it's a triangle. You gotta have three points. <laughs> when you talk about your biofield, what are the axes that are important that we're talking about? The vertical and then the left, right, and the forward, back. Mm-hmm. Those are the three. That's your three axes. That's the trinity inside of your toroidal field. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's a lot to that. But to talk more about Solfeggio and why I like that, the one, four and seven relationship is fascinating because it has this it's like the one you know it's the father it's the all it's the pattern and why i say that is because obviously one is one we know that four though four and seven both have this amazing quality to them where if you add the digits between one two three and four add all up equals ten that reduces to a one same exact thing with seven add one two three four five six and seven you get a twenty eight reduces to a 10 and then the next number that this occurs with is 10 itself and then 13 does this and so actually there's this amazing magic to the number line where every three numbers actually if you add the digits between the beginning and uh, final digit of that number it reduces to a one so in a way whenever we're counting we're actually saying one two three one five six one Eight, nine, one, eleven, twelve, one. So, in a way, all the way ad infinitum, the number line is one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Trinity forever, <laughs> always returning to one on the third number. So, the one seven four, four one seven, and seven four one of Solfeggio, to me, they're like they have this quality of the the whole the pleroma wholeness you know integration in the into a oneness of sorts i kind of look at them that way philosophically speaking you can use any of these tones for any part of the body if that's your intention and what you're plugging into no doubt but philosophically to me that's like really cool mystical shit and proof that nature is not an accident because like how would these numbers harmoniously exist as abstractions that seem to actually replicate themselves across the whole pattern (laughs) the Nazi sequence yeah yeah it's pretty wild so and then the next set would be the uh two fives and eights and to me that's like there's your uh kind of like your mother well you know you could consider that i'm thinking about it differently now i'm like which one's salt which one's mercury which one's (laughs) sulfur i'm not gonna go there i need to give that some more thought but uh two five and eight have this quality of like uh gender maybe in relation to the one uh four and seven because two you know one and one is two and four i'm sorry uh five i mean is like there's two on each side and then there's a balance point in the middle and then eight you know is like this in two circles next to each other it's four and four so there's sort of like this uh 
I don't know. There's a quality to those numbers in their relationship to each other that makes me think of gender like mirroring. And maybe that's like, maybe that's the mother of the equation. And then the three, six, nine is obviously a Trinity thing. (laughs) That next triad Uh, to me, that's like, you know, two Trinities coming together to form a third Trinity, the way that happens with conception and then birth of a child. The three plus the six gives you the nine could be like that. So this is all just airy fairy philosophy. But to me, there's some pretty cool magic with Solfeggio that no matter which way that you look at it, you're continually returning to this three, six, nine pattern. I think that's where, I think that's where the beauty and the the magic is in it is in that, but it's all, it's abstraction. (laughs) It's not about like this tone will change your DNA and like all this shit that (laughs) you'll see on the YouTube channels that have millions of subscribers. (laughs) Not that I, I'm not knocking on that. Like if you have, if there's one of those channels that you like and it's like meditative music or it's like activate your pineal gland, eight, eight, five, two frequency or whatever. Right. If they like it, go for it. It feels good. It feels good. Just like what Dayton said with the forks. But you know, to me, like, there may be some ridiculousness in the, the advertising <laughs> of that shit. <laughs> it's kind of like, you know, wow, not, there's not like a magic easy pill. Uh, right. <laughs> I, Shortcut. I don't know. Yeah, it's like offering shortcuts that aren't really there. Totally. Yeah, it's totally a gimmick. And, you know, there is a lot of clickbait out there that it's like, here, follow me and I'll, I'll take clickbait's you to the like word. <laughs> That's right. Clickbait is the word. Right. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, Dayton, do you have anything you wanted to add in uh, here as we get towards the end? You know, I'm I'm just really stoked to have been here and spoke with you guys. Um, Chance, like, um, what you're doing is beautiful and your understanding is nice and how you deliver, how you perceive is... I'm just, I'm really stoked to have had this conversation. I'm flying and and um, I'm looking forward to hopefully talking with you more. I think we got a, a lot in common. Um, one of my things is getting the healers together. And so um, we all like, I've, I've worked with a lot of different healers and we're all very unique. And every single one of everybody's process wouldn't step on anybody's process. It's really cool. So I'm, I'm hoping to see more and more of you. Hey man, likewise, I love what you said. There's this aspect of this paradox in authenticity when it comes to this type of healing work or really anything where you're following your own path and creativity is involved to some degree. Uh, To me, the true spiritual path is creativity. Mm -hmm. (laughs) If you want to connect to the creator or the creative intelligence and the dynamic force that generates the, the realm, we probably have to be creative. So there's this sort of paradoxical thing that comes up. And I think this is why so many of people like us in the past were like the heretics, <laughs> because when you're really in the flow and authentically tapped into your way of doing it, your divine mission, it feels like you're making it up as you go. And that is both a blessing and also a curse. If you're, if you're not authentic to your, if your intention isn't authentically uh, aligned 
you know, positively (laughs) that making it up as you go can be like, you know, trying to figure out the best way to con somebody. I don't know who does that. Maybe people do, Mm -hmm. but to me, like that, that fear of, um, I can't just make this up. I need someone to tell me how it's supposed to work. Keeps a lot of people from crossing the threshold. And it's no different than, you know, if you feel like you're not a creative versus somebody who does consider themselves creative, once it's down at the canvas, at the blank canvas and goes, I don't know what to do. And the other makes a decision and does a brush stroke and gets into a flow state and then the next stroke and then the next stroke. So, you know, not that there should be no methodology or harmony or to your practice and what you're doing as a healer, but there is a point where you're going to realize that like, I'm actually responsible for deciding how to do this. <laughs> and it's no one can tell me I, if I'm going to do this, I have to make choices. I have to make decisions. I have. And so thus you, you got to be creative about it and be comfortable with that sense of like making it up as you go. Because if you are aligned your intentions to the highest good for yourself and your client, then you can also, and should also trust yourself that making it up as you go is not only safe, but it's the right way to go. It's the right way to do it. And that doesn't make you fake. You're only fake. If you're deceiving somebody on purpose, then you're fake, obviously, but you know, it's, it's safe to make it up as you go. It's supposed to feel like that. I want people to know that it's supposed to feel like that. And that that means you're actually in the zone. Yeah. And, and listen to those feelings and that communication is clutch, but also like for me, cause I, I'm not studied. I just went out and did, um, I learned the hard way, some of the rules. And so there's also great benefit to just talking to other healers, talking to people in this community, watching things like this podcast here, where you have people with some experience and some understanding to teach you, like there are some rules to, like energy fucking ground that energy afterwards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, learned the I learned that one the hard way. I learned that one the hard way. Don't push out more than you put in. Keep that balance. You got to fill every space, you know? And like, I learned a lot of things the hard way. Unfortunately, they were small hearts, you know, but. <laughs> <laughs> That's the beauty of it. Uh, mm. I was just going to say, I'm sure for both of you, you've had clients that are like, can you do can you do this for me every day? Like you save me, you know, like, um, no, I make sure to charge enough that no one's going to ask for that. (laughs) (laughs) No, but in all, in all seriousness, the process can be such a, I don't want to say taxing, but you know, it's comprehensive. You're not going to want to do that every day because people sometimes need a couple days to recover after I give them a session. Sometimes people will have like more energy right away to get stuff done and whatever, but more people than not have some level of like kidney adrenal reset or root energy, sacral energy reboot that causes them to actually be kind of fatigued for a little bit after the process. And that's, that's the healing taking place. And anyway, in terms of the price, I was kind of making a joke, but also for any aspiring healers out there, part of the process that is super key is that if you want to provide value to the people that come to you, you have to value yourself and your time. And that means not, even though you, even though there, you may have seen some people out there slinging sticks and arrows that like, if this is real healing, you should do it for free. <laughs> like there's so much of that out there. And right. in the time and place where you feel like 
you're called to do so, you may provide someone with a, a service for free. And that is your prerogative. However, you got to take care of yourself. You have to value yourself. Sacral chakra energy is all about the self-worth and what we ask for to receive and expect to receive for what we give. And with this type of thing, like I'm, I don't really do more than one in a day max session for people. I take it very seriously. My client for that day, that's my client for that day. So there's preparation before it, before I even get on the phone with them, there's post op for me stuff to ground and all that. And more importantly, the price, like right now, my price is $200 for an hour tuning. We're actually going to be on the call for longer than an hour because there's some before and some after, but a hundred, uh, an hour straight of sound at least. And you get a recording and, and all that. But the reason why it costs that much, uh, one of the reasons it costs that is because it's also about uh, me asking for what I need to receive in order to be in the flow state and energetically maintain the practices and self-care and the time that it takes for me to do that. That's outside of the work with the client. Right? So as a healer, I, I advise people that your price point is not about how much you think you want to make per hour at the thing or whatever. You're not, don't think of it in those old world matrix terms. The, the price you ask for is the resource that you need, that you know that you need in order to be able to stay in the zone, quote unquote, full time. So if, <laughs> and that's actually why you're able to be of value to somebody. They're, the process, your way of doing it, all of these, like the method itself, even in a podcast like this, the communication, the things we're saying specifically, all secondary to the actual energy that is being brought to the table. People are tapping into our energy right now, how we feel, how it makes them feel. is actually the real value they're getting from this. The enthusiasm that I can give forth, you know, to be in this zone and in this flow state right now. It is not like I can just fuck off for all day or, or do things that hurt my energy or, you know, that are bad for my health and then turn around and be like, get on this podcast and (laughs) jazzed up. Let's do this. Like, and and communicate this clearly. I have to stay. If I fall off, it could take me a while to get back up. You're a vessel for life force energy. And you want to hold as much of that life force energy in your vessel in integrity as you can. That is actually what the alchemy of life, in my opinion, is really about is learning how to hold more and more of yourself of your light, of your essence in this vessel as you can. And as you do, you'll remember more and more about who you are, why you came here, what your mission is. And then you don't have to feed anybody your light ever again. You don't have to, you don't have to drain your cup for other people to receive benefit. The more integrity your vessel is, which is your body, and, and the more of the life force that you're holding within it, the brighter you shine and people see who they are and where they're at just by being in your presence or proximity and you're not feeding them anything. You're not, you're not losing that. You know, you're not, it's not about giving other people your juice. That's your juice. Hold it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, and then let them see what it looks like to crush, show them what crushing looks like. And it's going to light up their space around them and they're going to see who they are and where they're at a little better. But most importantly though, yeah, like, as the 
the people out there, and this goes for artists, this goes for anybody that is really entrepreneurial. What you ask for in compensation is about what you need to maintain the lifestyle and energetic balance to do what it is that you want to offer, not how much you think you are worth making per hour. So you got to think of it differently. You're looking at it holistically. What do you need for your whole life to be set up to stay in the zone as full time as possible? And I, I hope people, I hope people can apply that because, and understand that that's why healers might ask for a couple hundred dollars for a session. It's not because they're trying to rip you off. It's because by also you as the recipient, the the amount that you invest in the process, you know, are you going to, if you only had to pay me 20 bucks for an hour of tuning and we did a lot of great work, but then afterwards you're like, yeah, no, I kind of want to just chug a six pack tonight, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and you're just going to drop off again, energetically backed off the cliff to where you were before. (laughs) Like, is that, is that even going to feel like, are you even going to care? Cause you only are out 20 bucks. If you invested in it a couple hundred dollars to make this shift, you're going to care a lot more about totally maintaining that shift. It's an investment. And I think it should be seen that way. And I think that it's fair to, to do that. And that's my, <laughs> that's my two cents about money in terms of money and healing and how they mix. Yeah, I no, like no. how you put that. Thanks for explaining that. Me and me like and Lindsay Schwarman talked a lot about you know the worth of you know healers and people in the spiritual community. She undercharges, can, man. Yeah, she undercharges. She's good. She yeah, tried to more. cut you up, cut you off. Then go ahead. Oh no, you're good. I, I really like how you said that, and that's 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 really wise and well spoken. I dig that a lot. I do dig that a lot. And I, I want to go back to like a little bit of um, like the oh I lost it I'm I'm stuck on what you said man that was that was that was dope well put well put yeah I before before you even got on that rant chance I was just gonna say like at the end of the day you guys are helping people heal themselves and you know That's where yeah knowing <laughs> that you know, I'm paying 200 bucks. Like this could be the only session I ever need in my entire life. And my life could change after this, like with the intention you're going into it with, if you're going into the intention of it with like, Oh, I might have a cool experience. Like, and then I'm just going to go back to who I was before. Like, well, you set yourself up for that, you know? Yeah, I do. I'm hoping that people will learn um, how to do that, how to move that energy. Right. How to tune into themselves and open up. And it's really frustrating when you get that guy who grabs the six pack after a session, mm. he comes back the next week and he's got the same stuff we just took care of last week. And eventually I, I cut those people off and I tend to lean towards the people that are growing with it and learning from it and taking from it and applying it to themselves, you know, mm. it's, it's really cool. And so, yeah, what you just said too, I think, uh, for me, my personal evidence that the standard I hold all this to in terms of on the money side is working is that uh, <laughs> I've never had to like deal with a repeat client who just wasn't getting it and was using me as a crutch. Mm-hmm. Never had to do that. People, I have had repeat clients, but when they come back, it's because they're ready for like the next level that they yeah. want to hit. Yeah, that's and beautiful. I love that about it. So. <laughs> But ultimately, I want people to learn how to manage their own energy themselves. I want people to do this method or some method themselves, Qigong, sound, 
all of the above. <laughs> That's why I come on and talk about this stuff. Like I want people to get in this. I want people to feel as good as I feel. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you're sure selfish and you know, you'll feel better if they feel better. I see. <laughs> exactly. Enlightened self-interest. Yes. But in terms of other ways that I'd love to be, uh, you know, I'd love to exchange with people in a way that is mutually beneficial. I have a couple audiobooks out there that people can purchase on Audible. And, you know, they're supporting me. They're supporting the author of the audiobook if they buy it and getting a great experience out of that. So the first one is by Lindsay Sharman, her novel, Sign Curve of Aeons, uh, Phytalis, it's called. I, it's the first in a series. I think there'll be a third one. But that's a big fiction story that you can get my narration of on Audible. A lot of fun. But also the other one, which I think... <laughs> I really, really want people to get, not that I don't want people to listen to Lindsay's fiction. It's great, but Spirit World, July's End with Black Swans, the third book in the Spirit World series by Dylan Sicoccio. I did the audio for that and I'm working on the fourth book now. And those books are all four worth reading or listening to, and they can be done out of order, honestly. Um, if you've got something weird. Spirit World. <laughs> What's that? I got Spirit World, but I don't have the other one. So I'm glad you said that. Well, yeah, they're all technically spirit world is the header and then they're different books. So July's End with Black Swans is uh, more of an advanced syncretism in astrotheology. If you've got some basic knowledge of astrotheology and astrology symbolism as it pertains to religion, the first book is less. I mean, there'll be you'll learn stuff from it, but it's a little less mind opening. In my opinion, I'm also just trying to get people to do the one that I I narrated. <laughs> but like, if you're new, if if astrotheology is a concept, you don't even know what the hell I'm talking about. The spirit world books are going to give you, especially if you read all of them, uh, they're going to give you the keys in language and in symbolism that allow you to see that all of the control systems that have been levied upon humanity by the priest class, all the middleman parasitic bullshit vampirism from governments to corporate institutions and religions, everything. Okay. So the entire system of the way society is set up where we have this and it's alchemy, believe it or not, it is a dark application of alchemy where you have a mediator between you and the source of something that you need. And that mediator is skimming off the top from you. Right. Mm. Literally the entire way we do a commerce <laughs> and we're all kind of forced to do commerce this way to be a part of the system. And, you know, the mediators of, of spirituality that say they've got the direct line to the, the God or the being and you go through them, the governments, the food producers, like how many people even know where the actual food they're putting in, on their plate came from. So all the different ways that humanity is disconnected in awareness from the source of one thing or another or the source. This is the system I'm talking about. This middleman vampiric system. All right. If you want to live in a world where you see that abrogated completely from the world, or at the very least manage to nullify it in your own life, these books have the keys that you need mentally, linguistically to not fall for shit anymore. And (laughs) it's a journey that I I really want everybody to take because there really is one system 
there's one cult that has gone back from way, way, way long ago. And um, my boy, Dylan Sikosio, who wrote these books, he's, he's hot on the trail of the origin of this. He's innovating this field of research in ways that have not been in it, pushing the envelope in ways that haven't been pushed since like the late 1800s mm-hmm. in terms of, of pushing the, the awareness forward of where this all comes from. So I'm really excited for the fifth book coming soon. And also it's actually just like really fun to be able to have the keys to language so that you can see right that like see that one thing is actually something else when you're looking at it uh you know there's all kinds of there's all kinds of beautiful examples i'd love i know i'm kind of probably running us long by getting into this but if uh you ever want to have more of a conversation about this syncretism word magic language stuff i'd be happy to kind of put some something together so that we can give very specific examples. Yeah, no, I I've really enjoyed multiple shows. I've heard Dylan on, uh, I've heard him on crow a a couple of times, really enjoyed those. And then he had a great episode with you not too long ago. I definitely tuned into that one, but yeah, man, you've been, you've been honestly killing it, man. Like keep, keep doing you and, um, keep putting one foot in front of the other because you're doing really great work over there, man proud of you thanks buddy i'm excited for you moving to missouri (laughs) i i i was but uh i couldn't find a place to live uh oh just don't live in kc then move down here yeah or if you want to meet up and go to that sam tripoli show in kansas city we should we should i'd love to do that let's hang out yeah go visit and stay in nebraska (laughs) <laughs> totally, man. I want you here. <laughs> if you ever come to Lincoln or Omaha, let us know. <laughs> yeah, man. Cool beans, dude. I'm going to be making a bit of a journey across the States next month. Actually, people yeah. can catch me at music and sky festival in Southern California. This is in Cuyama Valley on October 13th through 15th or 16th starts on the 13th. And this is a alpha Vedics festival. Yeah. So it's just going to be healers and, and soul family tribe and musicians and it's a smaller event and it's going to be the type of place where like you're not going to run the risk of being stolen from or having to deal with somebody that's so spun out and wasted that they don't even know where they are (laughs) and no one's going to die and all that (laughs) stuff so i've been to a lot of festivals and there's this weird threshold where like (laughs) like like crickets becoming locusts at a certain density level humanity starts to swarm at some of these events and like, I don't know what the exact number is, but it's like, there's 4,499 people there. Everything's cool. There's 4,500 people there. Seven people die. There's like this weird <laughs> thing that happens where all of a sudden no one's watching out for each other. And this is not going to be like that. This is going to be the type of event where you make lasting connections and friendships or strengthen relationships with people that you've known online or content creators or authors or scientists and I'm most excited that I hear Eileen Damie Cusick's going to be there and I can yeah. uh, hang out with her awesome. in person. I'm going to be walking around with my giant tune and fork. So people should check that out. Music and Sky Festival. They can use the code CHANCE50 for 50 bucks off the ticket. And I hope to see a lot of people there. And after that, then I'll be... I'm flying out there, but then I'll be actually driving from Montana down to Missouri. So maybe making some stops in Colorado or something on the way. Who knows? Cool. Sounds good, brother. Um, yeah, I, I wish I could make it out there. Um, I also, uh, wanted to make a stop by Tart or, uh, Bertaria, but, uh, I didn't make it out. That <laughs> was, was that fun. a good time. 
Yeah, that's awesome, man. So, uh, yeah, dude, uh, I want to thank you so much for coming on today. This has been awesome. Glad Dayton could make it as well. Um, I definitely love to have you back to break down, uh, word spelling and, um, the different etymology going on there. And, uh, yeah, that's a whole different episode of its own. So, yeah, I'd love to, I can bring forward a lot of good stuff from Dylan's work, but then also because I have the keys, I have all kinds of observations that prove the validity of the the system that he demonstrates. So that's a, that'll be fun. And then, you know, you'll be having realizations as we go. We should do oh, that. Yeah. Totally. Well, uh, thank you all for listening out there. Um, I, I wanted to give Dayton a chance. Uh, any last words from you, Dayton? Oh, I just, I appreciate what you're doing and I appreciate everybody out there doing, yeah. keep it up. We're going to get it. We're totally winning. It's great to meet yes. you too, Dayton. This was awesome. I'm glad Andre had you on too. Yeah, thank you. It was really good to meet you. Okay. I'm glad it all worked out. I literally texted Dayton like last minute this morning. I was like, Hey, you want to join in on this? And he was totally down. So just conspired to make it happen. <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you all for listening out there. I love you all. We'll see you next week. Peace.